Cause we got the alternative energy right. free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Radioactive Show Produced on the lands of the Kulin Nation at 3CR Radio This week's show is brought to you by Emma Crunch on today's show, I speak to Murray Horton, a long-term peace organiser from Aotearoa, otherwise known as New Zealand. He covers a varied mix of topics, including his early inspiration of attending the Long March in Western Australia, which kick-started his anti-military organising back home, the strong peace movement successes in the 80s, and the differences and similarities between the Australian and New Zealand government relationships with the US. Later in the show, he'll discuss the increasing neoliberalisation of the New Zealand government, epitomised by its eager embrace of the TPP, despite a firm fight from the people, especially Maori peoples asserting their sovereignty under the Treaty of Waitangi. So hello, Murray Horton. Thanks very much for joining us on the Radioactive Show. And you have been an organiser and spokesperson for the ABC, Anti-Basis Campaign, and also CAFCA, the Campaign Against Foreign Control of Aotearoa. Could you briefly describe your involvement in those? Okay, well, very briefly, I mean, uh, CAFCA, uh, Aotearoa, by the way, for the benefit of your listeners, is the the Maori name for the country, New Zealand. Um, CAFCA was founded uh, 41 years ago, 1970. Or 32, really, 74, 75, was actually inspired by participation of New Zealanders, including me, in an Australian activity, namely the May 1974 um, Long March mm. to North West Cape, the westernmost point of Australia. Uh, and um, you may not know, your listeners may not know what I'm talking about, but this was a major activity whereby people from the eastern states, Sydney, Melbourne and other places, we went through Adelaide, travelled by bus uh, right across Australia, and this was the days before the Malibu Plains was actually, the Malibu Road was actually sealed, so I think we had like 280 miles of unsealed road mm-hmm. uh, there, and our travel actually coincided with an Australian state election, which your country seems to specialise in, during the Whitlam government, mm. one that we actually won. Um, and we went to what was then the American uh, Navy Communications um, Station at Northwest Cape. Um, that has since been um, turned over back to the Australian Navy, and I'm told it's been reactivated recently. Anyway, mm-hmm. there's about a dozen New Zealanders, including me, on that trip. Um, and uh, we decided, well, if we others could do this, we could do something similar. Uh, and so we set up an ad hoc body to organise a thing in early 1975. Mm-hmm. Around the South Island of New Zealand, New Zealand comprised of two main islands, North and South, primarily named, um, and we organised a thing called the South Island Resistance Ride, tying together military and economic aspects of imperialism, uh, and we decided we needed an organisation to actually organise that, rather than just a one-off committee, and so what was born called CAFCA, is Campaign Against Foreign Control in New Zealand, mm. which in the 80s changed its name to CAFCA. And then in the 80s, um, the anti-basis campaign sort of spun off from CAFCA. Okay. CAFCA has concentrated since then on sort of economic stuff, and the anti-basis campaign concentrates on the military and intelligence. So I guess I'm interested in 
as you've said about some of the cross-inspiration of the early peace movements, um, also what are your thoughts about the similarities and differences between relationships, particularly with the US, from Australia and New Zealand and the questioning oh, of the alliance? Well, I mean, uh, Australia has always had a much closer relationship um, with the United States and New Zealand mm. has, has gone out of its way to foster that relationship. Um, I mean, it's something to do with history, something to do with sheer size of the place, it's different culture. Mm. I think Australian Conservative governments and also some Labour governments have seen themselves, as John Howard put it, as being sort of deputy sheriff in mm. sort of, you know, South Pacific and all that sort of stuff. I mean, New Zealand, of course, has had since the 1980s a nuclear-free policy that is the status quo today mm. by changes of government. And I was uh, wondering about that because it's, it's, yeah, it's sort of a much-heralded uh, policy and... Well, it's more symbolic than real. Uh-huh. In the sense that, uh, in, I think I told you this one, I sent the other day, Henry Kissinger, you know, the men would be described in New Zealand as being quite a dagger into the heart of Antarctica. <laughs> I and did say that. Our strategic um, value to the US is nothing like the strategic value of Australia, mm. which is close to Asia, faces on to the Indian Ocean, faces north to Asian countries and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And that's reflected in the fact that the, uh, the American military is sort of back in Australia big time at the moment, sort of up and down in uh, Northern Territory, etc., etc. Mm. Um, and... Uh, but also the Australian governments have always been eager to help out and be a, a faithful satellite. Mm. It's worth drawing your attention that when the Iraq war started in 2003, New Zealand stayed out of it. Mm. And that was the first, actually. That was the first other people's war since World War II um, that New Zealand had actually resisted the temptation to get into. We didn't join the coalition of the willing and some engineers um, to Basra in Iraq, um, allegedly in a non-combat role, they actually did end up in combat. And I need to sort of update that situation. New Zealand right now has soldiers in Iraq. It does. Uh, special forces, special okay. forces, supposedly training the Iraqi military. So the difference is one of degree, mm. and it's also one of perception, because I mean, you would not get a more loyal mouthpiece of uh, U.S. foreign policy than our present Prime Minister John Key, mm. who is sort of um, is beside himself with glee that him and Barack Obama apparently have a um, uh, very um, close personal relationship. They both have holiday homes in mm. Hawaii, so therefore they end up playing golf with each other <laughs> as their Christmas holidays and all that sort of stuff. Um, and in New Zealand, Key specifically, and the New Zealand government was invited the signatories of the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement, the TPPA, to come to New Zealand on February the 4th this year to sign the thing. Mm. So that goes, I mean, that, that particular agreement is very much the um, uh, work of the United States and specifically Obama. Mm. Uh, in New Zealand, where the signing signatory, uh, the signing ceremony was held a couple of months ago. Yeah, I was wondering, um, a bit related to the Trans-Pacific Partnership, if you see the work between the two groups you've been involved with, the anti-bases and also campaign against foreign control, as linked and how um, you see the TPP as affecting uh, New Zealand's relationship with the US um, military. Okay. Um, there is um, anti-bases campaign organisers, not virtually an annual protest at the White House House Spy Base here in the South Island of New Zealand, which mm. is nominally run by New Zealand intelligence and for the benefit of American intelligence. 
we signed the Five Eyes Agreement, and that our latest uh, protest in Waihobai, which is January this year, uh, a group of people from the TVPA campaign joined us, which is the first time that ever happened. And mm. they did their own initiatives, so not because we had asked them to. Um, and so the links are there between um, uh, those major so-called trade and investment deals and the sort of military tie-up. Mm. Um, TPPA, John Key made quite explicit, and, and um, New Zealand's involvement in Iraq, Key made explicit last year, 2015, he said in exactly these words, this is the price of belonging to the club. Mm. Wow. The club. And the club is referring to his five eyes. The intelligence agreement that uh, that is much more important than the NSF treaty or anything like that uh, between the the, well, the electronic intelligence agencies of the US, UK, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. The fact that New Zealand now has troops in Iraq, and the fact that New Zealand is playing such an gung-ho role with the TPPA, which is being rushed right now through select committee hearings, despite the fact that New Zealand Parliament's in recess, um, all that is, according to our Prime Minister the price of belonging to the club. Is Can't Let It Be by Upper Hut Posse. And you're listening to The Radioactive Show, and we're hearing from Murray Horton, organiser with the Anti Bases campaign and Kafka, campaign against foreign control of Aotearoa. You'll shortly hear Murray discuss the Maori leadership and influence of the Treaty of Waitangi in current struggles against the Trans Pacific Partnership. It's important to note that although he suggests that there was not great Maori involvement in the anti bases campaign, there has been significant Maori resistance against US bases and presence in Aotearoa and towards a nuclear-free future. We hope to explore this further in future radioactive shows. But for now, let's get back to the discussion about the nuclear-free movement in the 80s. The peace movement in this country probably reached the with the nuclear-free movement in the 80s, and once that, it really was a, a huge, massive movement. Um, and once once that law came into effect in 1987, a lot of that, particularly among the middle class, fell away. Um, there were large protests here against the war on Iraq mm. in 03, big, big protests, thousands, tens of thousands of people. Um, and there were, much more recently, in 2013, there were protests involving tens of thousands of people against the uh, the the government changed the law um, governing the agency, the New Zealand Electronic Sign Agency, which is called the New Zealand Government Communication Security Bureau, or GCSB. Mm. And they had to pass a bill through Parliament that only passed through by two votes. 
uh, and there was a mass movement of tens of thousands of people against that. So, but in terms of what you would understand as a peace movement in Australian terms, there isn't one here now. There's not sort of, I mean, we in the ABC, anti-basis campaign, are very much a sort of a small band, and we mm. attract maybe 50 people to an annual protest at what is, in New Zealand terms, a remote setting. Um, uh, in the countryside where this fire base is located, but there's not thousands of people marching on sort of two issues. And I was wondering, I mean, one difference between Australia and New Zealand at Aotearoa is that there's, there is a treaty in Aotearoa um, with the traditional owners of the land and the Maori peoples. And oh, yeah. I was wondering yeah. how that plays into, do you think, um, these struggles around US military presence and ideas about sovereignty? Um, it hasn't there is that connection with anti-basis campaign stuff and the peace movement stuff, certainly the TPPA, mm. that's become the Treaty of Waitangi, has become a very big, um, very, very big part of the struggle against that um, particular treaty. We're talking about two treaties here, we're talking about the TPPA Treaty and the Treaty of Waitangi. Mm. The TPPA movement and married them in general for the TPPA campaign and Maori people in general saw the February the 4th date from the signing ceremony in Auckland for the TPPA as being an insult because it fell just two days before uh, Waitangi Day, which is mm. New Zealand's national day, the day in which the treaty was signed in 1840, February 6th. Mm. And so this year the Prime Minister and Cabinet Ministers were told that they were not welcome. Uh, at, the, uh, the, at the traditional annual commemoration of the Treaty of Waitangi on February the 6th. Um, the Prime Minister was told he would not be welcome. And so he actually he, he went to a league tournament, a rugby league tournament, mm. where he personally, among the usually greeted as a sort of one of the boys, um, but he was actually booed. He was actually booed by the crowd mm. um, at the rugby league tournament in Auckland. Mm. He went to going up to the commemoration for the Treaty of Waitangi. Uh, and so there was, there was very large protests in Auckland and throughout the country on Thursday, February the 4th, the day that the TGPA was signed in Auckland, appropriately enough in the casino, um, and Maori played a huge role in that, uh, that mm. protest. Mm. Um, and, and right now, there is a, a legal body in this country called the Waitangi um, Tribunal that hears historic claims of land issues and all that sort of stuff. Mm. colonial history, and they are considering a, an agent here in right now, they're having an agent here in, in right now on the TPPA and its impact on now. They don't have the, um, their, their decisions are not binding on the government. Okay. They have to, they have to be considered. That's so, encouraging so, to so hear. That is a big, that's, that's a big difference between mm. Australia. There's never been any equivalent treaty in positive. Definitely, yeah, I think that. Um, comes to play in terms of the, you know, position at the table and traditional owners here still, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, and, the, and the Treaty of Waitangi is seen as being one of the few defences. New Zealand has got one of the most liberalised, deregulated economies on Earth, more so than Australia, um, and the Treaty of Waitangi is seen as being one of the few institutional or legal constitutional defences mm. the worst aspects of that. Mm.
This track is Can't Let It Be by Upper Hut Posse. And this is the Radioactive Show and you're with Emma Crunch. And I'm having a conversation with Murray Horton, organiser with the Anti-Basis Campaign from Aotearoa, otherwise known as New Zealand. I asked him about what policies he would suggest for the country's future. It's quite simple. That we have, I mean, we, we have a, um, the, from the Anti-Basis Campaign point of view, we have the nuclear free. We're not going to fuss about that. But the reality is that we're still bound into um, the American, you know, COVID empire through five eyes, etc. So we educate um, at becoming genuinely independent. Mm. Take those ties of bind, get out of that intelligence agreement. So what do you th- what do you think it would look like? To what would it look like to become independent? Um, in terms of um, steps, we would get rid of uh, spy bases. Uh, we would get rid of the White House on spy base. We would um, stop running around as a willing junior satellite of the American military empire. I mean, there is an American warship coming here this year, um, mm. for the first time in 37 years, as mm-hmm. part of the um, uh, 75th anniversary of the New Zealand Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the, step by step by step, incrementally, the powers that be, um, it's not only the Conservative government, so it's like the Labour has been in office, and they were in office for nine years, um, 99 to 08. Um, they have sort of edged ever closer back into the American military embrace. So they need to actually mm. break that um, and actually act on a truly independent fashion. Mm. Um, New Zealand has tried to play off to some degree. I mean, John Key right now, today, is in China. Uh, and New Zealand had a free trade agreement with China years before Australia did. Um, New Zealand actually maintained, for the last since the Islamic Revolution, has maintained perfectly cordial trading relations, etc., with Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sort of it can't have it um, both ways. So to become a genuinely independent um, country, needs to be sort of look at what's in the interest, what's actually in our interest, rather than simply running around doing what the Americans sort of do in their interest. Mm-hmm. One of them would be to stop spying on people. I mean, the Zealand government, due to this day, has in the last couple of years, due to the Snowden revelations, been exposed to spying in countries like Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's no connection with New Zealand beyond the old game of cricket. Um, so, you know, we're only doing that because that's what the Americans are saying. That's the, that's the priority of the US, is to spy on countries like that. So we're using junior agencies like New Zealand, presumably the Australian one, uh, I can't remember what it's called now, so I'm called DSD, um, spying on third party countries that have really nothing to do with Australia mm. and New Zealand. Mm. In terms of um, what we advocate from the capital point of view, we need an actual economy and a political structure that is not simply the beacon cause of becoming an economic colony of transnational corporations. Mm. Um, the New Zealand economy is dominated by transnational corporations. Yeah, it's, it is somewhat discouraging, particularly in regards to the peace movement, that, you know, to hear that some of the gains from the 80s um, are right. being pegged away. Do you, do you have any final, any sort of encouraging words? For listeners, as um, any hope on the horizon? Um, well, yeah, that uh, all these games, sort of, once you've made them, you have to actually keep them. So what's the old cringe the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. Mm. So it is eternal vigilance that you have to actually keep, uh, keep on those. Australia, I mean, uh, the Australian people, I mean, the Australian movement. Um, has always faced a much more uphill battle than we have here because, as I say, Australia is regarded as something more important to the United States than what it's been regarded as being. 
um, Australia is a must-have, whereas New Zealand is sort of a nice-to-have in terms of sort of uh, mates and allies. Um, but, I mean, by backing away, I mean, the Australian, um, for example, organised later, showed, uh, showed New Zealand, propaganda showing when it actually fought back against the case by the, uh, the Howard government uh, to destroy unions, whereas here in this country, the union movement, when a similar attack was made a few years earlier, mm. in the early 1990s, simply just rolled over and played dead. And he's in a working class, and he's in an organised labour who's never actually recovered from that. So mm. Australia's got many lessons to teach New Zealanders in that respect. Um, but I mean, there's no easy steps to be taken. It's essentially one of sort of united struggle um, and uh, united activities, and also keeping this, uh, bearing in mind you're up against major forces, and that you're up against, and um, you need to be able to persevere with it for a long time. Hopefully some, you know, more cross-collaboration and inspiration can happen over the next few years. And do you know if... Oh, I... well, I mean, we, I mean, yes, I mean, New Zealand, we in the New Zealand movement are only too happy to work with Australia. I mean, indeed, in Melbourne, yesterday, the 19th, on the 21st, uh, this Thursday, we have a couple of meetings in the Melbourne town. Mm, we do. On the TCPA. Yeah. And one of the speakers of that is uh, my old friend and colleague, Jane Kelty, mm. who's sort of single-handedly um, battled the whole gamut of trade deals, et cetera, et cetera, so-called trade deals and foreign investment, taking over deals, and she's done that for sort of 30 odd years, as long as I can remember, mm. uh, Jane, and she was a sort of born energy, and I'm very pleased to see that she's speaking in Northern Town Hall on Thursday. Mm, yeah, I've, I've seen so that, I'm looking forward to checking that out. We have that level of collaboration, I yeah. that it needs to be closer. You've been listening to The Radioactive Show. On today's show, I interviewed Murray Horton of the Anti-Basis Campaign and the campaign against foreign control of Aotearoa. He covered an expansive range of topics from observations on the peace movements of both countries across the Tasman, his concerns about the multinational corporate rise and the encouraging resistance to the Trans-Pacific Partnership. You can find more info about both the anti-basis campaign and campaign against foreign control of Aotearoa online. The track in the show has been... Can't Let It Be by Upper Hut Posse, and we'll go out with the rest of that song. Thanks for listening to The Radioactive Show, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. You can get in touch with us at radioactiveshow.3thenumbercr at gmail.com or on Facebook. I'm Emma Crunch, and be sure to tune in next week. Jump
outside here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing white fellas learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. Have you heard about 3CR's national programs? Coming at you on community radio stations around Australia, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne. Services will be cut, jobs may well be lost and workers' entitlements will be undermined. Their basic human rights are as important as everyone else. Over 200 million years, individual species have evolved. I mean, birds were once dinosaurs. Anything nasty online seems to be targeted against women. Muckety is a bad deal, but muckety is absolutely not a done deal. You're listening to Women on the Line. Welcome again to Lost in Science. And welcome to another edition of the Radioactive Show. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Accent of Women. Anarchist Wall this week. Listen to Beyond Zero, global warming science, solutions and action. Uh, hi, my name's Sarah. I love coming here because they offer vegan food. Hi, my name's Paul. I've of my first time at Friends of the Earth. I think it's really awesome and the food's great, really healthy and nutritious. Friends of the Earth Food Co-op, 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. A tuneful experience. Relationship breakdowns can be distressing and have serious consequences for you and your children. In Touch can help you to understand your legal rights, entitlements and obligations in relation to marriage and relationship breakdowns. When my marriage broke down, I was worried about what arrangements could be made for the care of my children, how our assets would be divided and how I would survive financially. I went to In Touch and they were able to help me. They provided me with confidential legal information that I could understand in my language. InTouch helped me rebuild my life for myself and my children. If you need legal advice, contact InTouch for a free and confidential discussion in your language by calling 1800 755 988 or search InTouch Multicultural Centre online. InTouch. Brought to you by Victorian Women Lawyers and funded by Victoria Law Foundation. Bisexual Alliance is a non-profit organisation dedicated to raising awareness and supporting people who are bisexual, people who are multi-gender attracted, their partners and their families. Bisexual Alliance runs several monthly discussion groups in and outside of Melbourne to offer support, a safe space to chat about your experiences and to explore others' experience of multi-gender attraction. These groups are for bisexuals, those who are questioning and their loved ones. For more information, visit bi-alliance.org or email Info at by hyphen alliance.org. Because we got the alternative energy on a nuclear free autonomy. Because we got the alternative energy on a nuclear free autonomy.